I'm just saying it's like all fun and games, and then you wake up in bed next to a 40-year-old freshman. I'm 19, so. 19 minutes late to Pinochle, where you're meeting your old friends in the park. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Oh my gosh, Maya, look at him. He's still so sharp. That's so inspiring. Tell us about the war, any one of them. Welcome back, analysis listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. Brittany Brown, Brittany. Yeah. My theater queen. Oh. We're talking theater kind of today because yeah. we're going to be talking about Dear Evan Hansen. Before we get into Dear Evan Hansen, there is a new trailer out for the Pen15 season three. Have you seen it? I have, I have, I have. You do not know how excited I am. I did not know that we were getting new episodes of, like to finish out season two this year, and I was so stoked. I didn't, I didn't know either, but it looks like someone's got a new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like Maya's trying to get a cell phone. Yes. Electric. <laughs> yes. Uh, her first Nokia. You yeah, know, yeah, everyone had one. Yeah, her brother, her brother has one, and she's trying to get one. And oh man, already just, just I almost want to have a separate podcast or us breaking down like the little oh. bits of the the season trailer, and like where we're we gonna go here. But anyway, yes, <laughs> let's get back on topic. Dear Evan Hansen, so so you do music theater. You're somebody who's obviously very passionate about musicals. It's just like a lot of this has been a part of your life. Your cartoon, for goodness sakes, is from Julie Andrews and The Sound of Music, right? So before we get into Dear Evan Hansen and and all of its many problems, did you like this musical before they decided to make it into a movie? Oh, such a complex question. So, Here's what I will say. I thought um, that was the easy question. Yeah, well, because um, I really, uh, I'm the kind of person who, especially in, in recent years, I realized that like, just because my opinion was one way, when presented with new information, you are allowed to change your mind. Yeah. And whenever you like make realizations about um, something, you're allowed to, you know, let that influence like, oh, maybe I don't feel the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the show first came out, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit like Pasig and Paul, like they know how to write, they know how to write like pop musical theater hits. Like the music was very catchy. I really maybe liked the soundtrack. Was, I was immediately, when I, I saw it on like Good Morning America or something, something yes. also problematic. And <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, this is, this is, I'm right in the wheelhouse here. Exactly. And um, especially in terms of like um, the direction of like contemporary musical theater, like it, it seemed like it had like everything going for it. It was, you know, an original story, which, you know, more often now on Broadway can sometimes be kind of a hot commodity. There's not a ton of original concepts on on stage right now. And so I did see the tour when it came through a few years ago. And that that was when I was still um, uh, kind of in the camp of like, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like the show. I think I think it's fun. Um, do I think it should have swept the Tonys like it did? No, but I mean, you know, it kind of, it is what it is, but I still went to go see it. And um, I sat next to a girl who had knew nothing about the show. I didn't know who she was. And we like had like an experience with each other, like seeing this show for the first time. And I left, like I, 
I, I wept. I like had a lot of emotions and then like kind of like a week later, I was still like kind of dissecting it. And I started realizing a lot of like problematic elements of the show. And then I will admit, like I, um, I felt like emotionally manipulated, which, um, you know, yeah, which is kind of, you know, how, I don't know. I felt even when the trailer for the film um, dropped, because I tell you what, the people who cut trailers, they earn every bit of that money because they like, if you didn't know anything about it, you'd be like, oh yeah, hell yeah, I want to see this fucking movie. And I was just like, oh man. So the short answer is I'm not, um, I'm not a fan of um, most of the material of the show, the plot. Um, I can appreciate the music, um, but also a lot of times the music, um, doesn't really drive a lot of the plot either. So it's like, it kind of feels like sometimes the songs kind of stop things for a few minutes and then we keep moving along. So loaded answer. What do do you think? I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. So like I said, I saw saw it on some sort of news, morning news, uh, and I actually didn't see, I saw like a a theater friend of mine and me and you are in the theater community so where mm-hmm. things get shared and so someone someone shared yeah this is amazing hashtag Ben Platt be my husband something like that you know <laughs> so I watched this I watched him singing waving through the window and I was like wow this sounds really good so I actually found a bootleg which is also problematic just ring the siren every time I say something problematic today but <laughs> I found a bootleg version of someone filming it from the audience uh, on a broad on on the Broadway uh, stage, and I loved it. Like even with that busted ass experience, like watched it both acts, was very moved. Um, I actually used the music, the soundtrack, um, as a as an emotional trigger for Act Two in a play that I was doing called At the Table, which I know that yes. you've seen in your your. But like, there's a lot of emotional moments in Act Two of that play, and so I would I would listen to Dear Evan Hansen as kind of to, to set me up for act two. Um, so this was, you know, this was a, a show I would say I had a pretty strong connection to. And then I went to see it, probably the same exact tour that you saw in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went to see it with like eight friends or so, eight theater friends. And we started talking about the central character and the problems of the plot and how basically Evan's behaviors are so sociopathic and how the relationship with him and Zoe Murphy is very cringy. And, you know, we were like, oh, the music and stuff. And, and I was still very moved by the music in, in, in some of the parts of the show. But, like, the, the, the piece overall, I, I see where all the criticism was. And I kind of became this, like, somewhat defender of the, the play in a little bit. And then, you know, the, the movie's coming out and, you know, I, I heard there's there was just no way to avoid the swirl. And, and this movie's been out for the, the swirl of negative criticism. Yeah. This movie's been out for a few months and, and we're just getting to it now just because I, I just, it was hard for me to get excited to go out and see it. And so I, and then, and so let, let's kind of transition to, because it seems like we, we both kind of agree about how we feel and our evolution of our relationship with the material, but let, let's get into the movie here. And yeah. everyone's first talking about Ben Platt being 28 and playing this high school student and how it's creepy and weird. A lot of things made me wonder about you. Your taste in music, the fact that you look like a fucking 40 year old man. And like 
absolutely yes the, the makeup you can just see the makeup on his face it's caked it, it plays a lot better in theater when when mm -hmm. you try to pull this off than it does on film right like there's just there's yeah. no close-ups in theater unless you're watching the hamilton uh disney plus yeah right? the pro so shot like, yeah there's no so it's like it's it's different it reads there's there's a there's a distance between the audience and the players to where age doesn't really matter in in theater and it does here, but with that said, and here's, here's me with my apologetic hat on, the first thing I would say before I saw the movie was, well, okay, Hollywood's been casting people who are in their late 20s as high school. For forever. Like, what, are you gonna get pissed off at Saved by the Bell? Are you gonna get pissed off at 90210? Are you gonna get pissed off at every slasher movie that's ever been made? Like, this is, this is just kind of how it is. Like, people, it's, there's child labor laws, there's all sorts of stuff. Like, a lot of times the people in high school have been long since graduated from high school. Now, are they like 10 or 12 years outside of high school? <laughs> Probably not. But, but with that said, like, you got to understand, and me and you saw a version of this play where Ben Platt is not playing Dear Evan Hansen. It is mm -hmm. not the same show. Like, it, like, this show was workshopped by Ben Platt. They mm -hmm. built the music around his skill set. He toured it he performed it on broadway he won all the acclaim like ben platt is evan hansen and quite honestly if they tried to make this movie it doesn't get made without him like he like they it's either ben platt or no movie so like you gotta kind of give it up that he's gonna be this older guy and if your criticism is about the performance or the way his voice sounds like i can go with that but like to be hung up on the fact that he's 28 i think is a little short-sighted how did you feel in that yeah, I, I I totally agree in the sense that I his age to me like isn't um, isn't a problem. Um, yeah, we can't really use that as a point of criticism when so much of what we watch, especially when it's um, you know centered around high school age or college age students, you know. Uh, when stories are centered around those people and they're often played by people who are, you know, closer to our age than theirs. So even look at like what they did with the Chicago conspiracy trial movie, the Chicago seven. Oh yeah. And like you've got Sasha Baron Cohen playing a character who was in his twenties, but Sasha Baron Cohen's in his forties. Like if we're right. going to give it up certain places, we should be able to give it up here. A absolutely. And, and so I think that some of the problem, I think for me, with technically how things were achieved, where you already pointed out one of the things was with the makeup. Um, I think that some of that was, um, it was, I think a little bit too thick. It really was like, kind of like, more of like what you would do in a theater setting. I think some of the issue also came with casting the other characters who were students a little bit more closer to the age. So they looked younger and it then made him look even older, even though he's not old. He's not old. Yeah. And he has and a so, young-looking face even for a 28-year-old. Yes. Um, and then, um, you know, I know that he had, like, kind of come out about, like, a lot of people thought that he was wearing a wig, but that was, in fact, his actual hair. And so people thought that, like, the combination of all those things made it a problem. So I don't think his age is the problem. I think how some things were technically achieved just yeah. highlighted the, you know, the things that people take yeah. issue with. What I will say is that... Um, you, you mentioned that when we saw the tour, yeah, we saw, we saw a, a different person playing um, Evan Hansen, who I thought was absolutely spectacular. I thought that the actor who portrayed Evan in the tour, I, I really enjoyed that actor. Um, I think just because I, I want to make sure that I, I mentioned it, and we you know, may have gotten to this later as well, 
Um, but I think that I didn't really take issue with any of that, but then I did take an issue with how some of that was responded to by Ben Platt himself. Oh, um, okay, I didn't know this. Well, he, he had done an interview, because like, you know, I think it's really, I think it's pretty gross when we dissect any actor, it doesn't matter what their gender is or what have you, by their physical looks. I think it's pretty gross. It's, yeah. you know, it's uncalled for. Um, but he had done an interview where he basically talked about how like, if it weren't for him, and when I say this, if it weren't for him, well, you and your daddy, mm -hmm. if it weren't for those things, you, you, he was like, the show wouldn't have been made without me, was the, the gist of what he had said. He was like, you know, I, I made this role. I, you know, got the acclaim for it. Like, basically saying, like, I deserved it, um, which I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't, but I think that if you can't acknowledge that the door is being held open for you while others are still banging on it from the outside, that's mm -hmm. part of the problem. And so then, like, whenever he was starting to get criticized by those things, then it started kind of, he started doing, like, these interviews where he was, like, um, talking about things in, in that sense where it just um it was very privileged and it's like no one's ever saying that like you didn't work hard no one's ever saying that like things like aren't deserved but I think that a lot of times when people are challenged by like their own privilege mm. um they often get defensive as if someone's saying that that means you don't work hard and it's like no I you just have to be able to acknowledge it and be like that's absolutely true and then also I put a lot of work in into the film. And so that was some of like his response to oh, some of those yeah. things, like the makeup, he looks too old. He looks this, he looks this. And then he kind of like got, you know, kind of defensive about some things that just highlighted some yeah. privilege aspects. Or lack so. of self-awareness a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, with that said, like, I, I do believe that you've got this kind of, if, if you want to say like modern Broadway star Rushmore, where you've got like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Idina Menzel, Neil Patrick Harris and Ben Platt. Like I think, like there's there's just a small little handful of of Broadway stars which are household names, and like yeah. he's definitely one of them. So he, in a way, like whether however he got there, like his name is greenlighting this movie, and so you kind of need him there. And and I I think in terms of the performance, there's heavy emoting, like even more than what happens on the Broadway show. Like when he goes to Words Fail. And it's just a full breakdown. It actually was just like, it was, it was even a little, it, it, it was so heavy that it took me out of the moment where I love the words fail Broadway version. Like I actually think it's a, it's actually a little smaller. And so there's just a lot of conversations we can have about the, the mannerisms that work on a theater stage that don't necessarily play on a film screen and I think that happened a lot in this movie where you're taken out of the moment just by how big he is even though he's trying to be more restrained than what he was on the stage. So, I, I, I love that you mentioned that that was one of my notes is that um, he was giving a theater performance in a film medium and so I think that that is part of why this film did not work for for me because at that point it's like well then I just want a pro shot I, if there's no reason to there, there's just not a reason to adapt something. We could have to just film. done it. We could have done it Disney Plus style with Hamilton, mm -hmm. where they just film the Broadway version. And I think that would have probably hit harder with audiences. And you would have, I mean, you would have still had people talking about the problematic plot, but you would absolutely have at least the theater fans, because you're you're really servicing no one here, because the fans of the theater, like me and you, are going. Uh, this this isn't working for a lot of different elements. 
and it's not it's not checking the box like it does in theater and then the film fans themselves are like i i have nowhere to play here so you're you're kind of just alienating anyone that would be interested in giving you positive word of mouth absolutely what were some of the other things that kind of didn't work for you in this movie um well some of the and you know this kind of goes for and you know anytime you see a movie musical or a musical being um adapted to film some of the changes didn't work for me um jared is much more of a heavy player in the in the stage adaptation you're not supposed to necessarily like him all that much he's not a very nice person um yeah. but that being said he is one of the voices of reason um he does like try to ground evan and try to be like you know dude maybe this has gone a little too far yeah um You're and popular now do you realize that he's like one of the people who's kind of checking him right yeah. and it in the fun. in the film even though i know that that actor i believe was on um it was it atypical i think it, he he was on He's an actor who was on like a very big like Netflix show. So I assumed that like, oh, cool. That's, you know, part of why, you know, they're casting him. He, mm -hmm. you know, obviously he'll, he'll play a lot in the film. But um, I found whenever I watched it, I was like, oh, he's, it, his role's been pretty heavily downgraded. And also with um, them cutting some of the songs from the show that he's especially in, it's like he doesn't really do anything outside of helping him set up the fake yeah. emails. Um, so I think that the show loses some some steam um, by taking out, um, you know, a lot of a lot of his character by most of the songs that they cut from the show are songs that are other characters trying to hold Evan accountable, um, like good for you. Like that's a really huge song that like without it, it's like. I don't know. A lot of the songs yeah, they that they cut. Yeah, they screwed mom. They screwed Heidi Hansen. Yeah. In this. I think Julianne Moore really, and, and that I love that there's not another truck in the driveway. That was one of my Act Two trigger songs, Ring the Siren. But it's like I, um, like, I love that song, but it doesn't hit as hard without Good For You. It, it rings absolutely yeah, it, hollow without it. I, I did like the, I still think, think Julianne Moore did well with the song, but um, I, I just, it's like, oh man. De yeah, definitely better than than I thought whenever I first, I will say I was surprised when I read that Amy Adams was playing Connor's mom and um, Julianne Moore was, yeah, yeah and it wasn't the other way around just because we know um, that um, Amy, Amy Adams has a, a, a background of singing. I didn't know if Julianne Moore, you know, could or not, you know, and um, she does handle it, you know, fair, fairly well, but I think, yeah, without some of those songs, a lot of things ring hollow, even like the climax of the show doesn't feel like it, it, it hits as hard. Um, I can appreciate that they try to expand Alana's role because Alana, um, historically on stage, is usually cast as um, an actor of color, one of the only people of color in the show typically, and also has like nothing to do in the stage show. Is yeah. I, you know I'll go as far as to say that she's a, a fairly useless character in the show. So I can appreciate the changes that they tried to make with her, but then at the same time it feels so rushed that it's like, it still feels like you just didn't know what to do with her. And you just, you threw her a song, you threw her, you know, this whole like create, like crafting the, yeah. um, the, the, that was something I wanted to get into is they make even more characters messy because while not getting, while not having his cousin check him, mm -hmm. Jared check him, 
well, all of a sudden he feels like the person that gets out without having any sort of real accountability in this movie. So it makes him messier. And then giving her, because she was just kind of aloof to uh, the the situation, but having her having, um, she, later in the stage play, she she does question him a little bit, but it's, it's oh. still very mild versus this very, very deliberate, um, almost you know they're they're aligned in terms of this where this is going and so it's like yeah they make her messier as well but I I did think they added a number for her and I thought that played and they even gave her a praise so that that was okay and and they did try to add a few pieces of new material here like Evan definitely has more accountability in the movie by deciding to make that post by doing the research for Connor's books by sending the family the the guitar video, like just Connor playing the guitar and having a number um, Mm -hmm. that, that was new. And then even instead of doing the for forever outro reprise, they, they have him singing Connor's song. So, you know, they do try to kind of bring I think they're very mindful of the problems in the stage show and they're trying to correct some of those in the movie but just the core of the the script is is so problematic and his behavior is just straight up sociopathic and it's hard to roll with a character for that long with that type of behavior and just continuously wrapping himself in these lies and I think the pace of the movie was the biggest problem. oh my god how do you six hours long how do you cut that that many songs and the movie is still Broadway length like yeah. it was okay. like it was over two hours it felt it um, I, I do agree that they do try to um, give it there's more accountability um, like in like the denouement of the film than there is in the show um yeah (laughs) and so it's like i appreciate that but then they wound up screwing up a lot of stuff pre-climax that like just I, i i don't know like i do like i do like the song that they give alana that being said there's really no this isn't something that's really talked about in 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 the show much either but because they cut, like, one of the songs they cut is Disappear. Yeah. They wind up cutting mentions that, of the fact that not only have you lied to people, that that is bad enough that you've lied to a family about their son, but what you've done is that you've almost, you've effectively gaslit Zoe in particular because she has such heinous memories of her and her brother who I, I think, you know, they, they never name it. And I'm glad that they don't, because I think that they would have probably screwed it up. They don't, you know, name necessarily what his uh, mental illness is, but he obviously had something under, you know, some issues underlying. Um, And in their childhood, like obviously they had a very, a very traumatic childhood like together. And so when she's singing Requiem about like, all of the painful memories she has and how that now conflicts with the narrative that Evans brought to her. It's like, we don't really talk about the fact that like you, you've gaslit a person into thinking, Oh, did I, maybe I didn't give my brother enough of a chance. You've given false hope yeah. only to dash it whenever they the families presented with the fact that not only was this a false version, but the person that you thought he was, unfortunately, I'm, that's, all you're left with now after having hoped for something more and now that he's gone there's nothing else to like glean from it and that's kind of glossed over it feels like yeah. 
And really, and this is the first time we're mentioning Zoe, which I think should raise a red flag that she's even underdeveloped in this story. And mm-hmm. to me personally, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I believed way more in the relationship between him and Alana than I did in him in his romantic relationship with Zoe. And it's not from the actress's point of view. It's just straight up screen time alone. And mm-hmm. that, that scene of Just Us, which is a fucking awesome song, or Only Us, excuse me. Like, that's... Yeah. That's such a great song, and like it just felt weird and awkward in in that scene. And there's just a lot of that, or or um, when when he's doing the speech and like you are not alone, and the the there's just the heavy handedness in the directing of like the social media and the, the yes. just way the actors pulled up their cell phones. I was like, this is like this is Broadway, but it yeah. feels it, it's on screen. It feels just hokey. It feels just really after school especially and but like I I think that the Zoe and and you're giving me a whole nother element of the gaslighting that I've never thought of but that whole relationship between Evan and Zoe just felt wrong and I think the way you're articulating it is like oh I yeah he's like and he's like changing her reality and I think was this in the, the Broadway version but was the dad always was the Murphy dad always a stepdad no, no. In, in the ori- and then you yeah. also know that Connor had a dad that had passed. Like they try to kind of quickly layer in kind yes. of lie behind Connor's trauma. Exactly. Zoe's as well. Yeah, I to touch on the first thing you said, I completely agree. Um, I also think I don't know if this was like, a, I mean, part of it obviously is a directorial choice, but some of like when they're doing, if I could tell her, mm-hmm. the way that that's filmed is creepy like they filmed like some things where it's like kind of below so it looks like he's like encroaching on her at you certain points yeah and it's so it's very it's like it's i don't you didn't help it's yourself sweet. it's not no. this bad little guy yeah it's, no you didn't help yourself at all um in terms of how things already look and now it's um yeah it's very it's very creepy because now you're you're using it to um capitalize on a relationship by saying all the things that you think about her and by making her think that it's what her brother thinks. It's just really, it's really fucking sad. And yeah. it's, and it's, and it's gross. And I appreciate that like, she doesn't at the very end that there's like an ambiguity of like, there's not really necessarily a, a, a full forgiveness, but it's more of like, you know, I, I'm doing better now. I'm glad you're doing well now. We'll go our separate ways. It's it's not, you know, we're not going to get back together, like being able to at least like let it go. So I appreciate that there's not like a full on, like, I forgive you for all of your transgressions because honestly, that's, um, it's a very, that would be such a loaded thing to like ask of somebody at the end of this film. Um, but also it's, yeah, it, the the dad. Um, I I was very excited. I like Danny Pino um, as an actor. Um, I'm a huge Law and Order SVU fan. He was on there for years. Um, so when they cast him, I was like, oh, this is great because I don't. I will say one character I never jived with in the Broadway dad. show is the dad. To break in a glove. What a great call on cutting that song. It sucks. Yeah, I was like, please. but you know, they should have cut. Sincerely, me. I hate that song, and I thought it sucked in this version with the with the Dance Dance Revolution. I was like, this is just. Boo. Oh my god. I know why they had to have it because they have to have the email bit in there, but man, I was like, that could have been another one they could have cut and I would have been happy with. I love that you mentioned that specifically because when you listen to that song out of context, when I listened to the soundtrack before I'd ever seen the show, looked up the plot, whatever, 
what a fun song. I have such a fun time listening to that song. But when you think about it in like the context of the film, it's like, or of the musical, the piece as a whole, you're like, that's fucked. Like yeah. what, what an odd, what an odd turn for like this particular the part tone. of the plot to take. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I, so yeah, I just think that there are a lot of, I appreciate them giving, um, you know, Connor a song so that there is like a piece of him restored that was um cool. but i also connor is the one that's he's basically just this vehicle to have other people talk about their feelings off of but he's never really he's never really grieved for in like a real way besides <laughs> and, and that's no. one of the cool things they could have done if they hit this and i think the play does a better job than the movie did but it talks about the different ways people grieve and you know, sometimes you'll cling to a narrative that you even know is probably wrong. Like Zoe knows that this narrative is probably bullshit, but she's looking for a story to- For something. To, you know, and obviously, um, you know, the mother, uh, uh, Connor's mom, uh, Amy Adams, she's looking for, she's desperately looking for it. Oh my trying, God. Trying to force this narrative. So like, it, it you know, it, it that's a nice theme and just the way that social media can sometimes in good and bad ways escalate uh trauma or drama right like i think like that's what they're trying to get at it's just messy and yeah and 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 so i think it worked better in a play or maybe just the more i've sat and thought about it and the more exposure i get to the story the the more i see the cracks in it and it really i don't know if you've ever heard of world's greatest dad Oh, uh, with Robin with Robin Williams. Williams, I was I was actually I made a note about this because it's a it's a similar. Uh, it came plot. out years before, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Robin Williams, if you guys haven't seen World's Greatest Dad, he he has a son that auto asphyxiates, uh, <laughs> masturbating, and kills himself. And uh, Robin Williams is this failing writer, and he gets notoriety and a little bit of media, and he starts to base do what Evan Hansen did, and he starts to. Um, fabricate emails from his son and it makes it seem like he's this like world's greatest dad and obviously you know where that where where that type of plot's gonna go but it, yeah. and it was like done in a in a, com- a dark pitch black comic way where this is trying to raise awareness and it's just like you know it, it just doesn't it doesn't work it, it it doesn't and I think that also I don't I what what I can say is that while I can appreciate and I feel like I <laughs> I've been saying that so much because it's like because I, I, I will readily admit that I try to go into things with an open mind and I did not go into this with an open mind I was not going to see this film when you asked me to do this I was like well I can't I can't go into something and like not I, I had my own opinions about it but I was like go and see it, then you can have fully formed opinions. And then if you choose to rip it to shreds, you can feel justified in the fact that you've at least seen it and it's not coming out of nowhere. Um, So I can, you know, there are things that's like, I want to, not necessarily, I don't want to give it credit because the film is bad. It's bad, it's a bad adaptation, bad all around. I can appreciate that they don't try as heavily handed, I feel like, as the show does to make it seem like your a mental illness is a is a crutch. It can certainly it certainly influences some of the decisions yeah. because he has an anxiety disorder, and I can appreciate that. Um, that being said, it doesn't absolve you of the things that you do to other people because of it. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting to say that, and then to also say that like. 
I also felt emotionally manipulated by the film because it's like, it feels like it's trying to tell you how you should feel about this person doing it, that you, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have like some empathy, but that being said, there are, there are a lot of sociopathic behaviors. There are a lot of like really big issues whenever you're talking about mental illnesses like this and portrayals. And I know that I was really, you know, I was, at least intrigued to see what the screenwriter would do because I did enjoy Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm. Um, but, um, or better not the screenplay, about, but the director. Yeah, um, a better movie to talk about social anxiety, depression, and suicide, teen suicide. Yeah, to, to try and see like what differences could be made, but it's just, yeah, the, uh, yeah, it just, this film gets a lot of things incorrect. It tries to overcorrect on other elements that were really huge, glaring blind spots in the yeah. stage show. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, unfortunately, the, my, my enthusiasm for it has, has certainly worn off. I, I, I don't know if I'll listen to the music the same way. And I guess I'll just ask you, kind of briefly mm-hmm. here but you know has the movie and just the time you've sat with the plot changed your uh, overall enthusiasm for the work just the songs themselves like will you be able to hear waving through the window and enjoy it the same way that you did in 2015 um you know i try not to i try to be very careful about like limiting or like letting other elements like taint something that I um, really enjoy in, in terms of like, you know, if I don't, not liking the film means that like, oh man, I can never like listen to the music again. Yeah. I try not to do that because there are some like really well done songs within the palette of the show. Absolutely. Um, that being said, I can tell you that outside of seeing the film, I don't think I've listened to the music of this show for a couple of years. Um, because when, after I saw the tour, I was like, I left a really bad taste in my mouth and I, anytime it would come on my shuffle, I had, I had to skip. Um, so, um, you know, probably, probably not of my own volition. Um, but you know, that's not to say that I can't acknowledge that there are well-written songs. Do they drive the plot forward? Not necessarily. So it's like, you know, it's a little bit easier, I think, to take them out of context. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's complicated. And I think that what I love about being an artist, especially being an artist in the theater medium, is that I can both absolutely love what we do and also be able to criticize it constructively because I think that's the only way that things get any better is if we're able to look at like, oh, well, that doesn't, that doesn't work super well. And let's talk about why, as opposed to just like, I'm not going to just like take a shit on something and like not be able to like, you know, see what kind of a solution that we can glean from it in terms of how we move forward with the work. That's how important art is. It deserves to have those kinds of conversations. So I don't think anybody who has seen this film and like taken issue with it and like has, you know, a strong opinions about not liking it. I don't think that all of that's unconstructive. I think that like that's coming from people who love the medium so much. A lot of the time, you know, I'm not necessarily talking critically, but more like yeah. from an audience perspective. But like, I just think that, I just think it's a real testament to how much people can fall in love with theater because it's like, cool, yeah, I just want us to do better. So let's talk about the things that didn't work, take the things that maybe did, 
and keep making great fucking art. Was this great fucking art to me? Absolutely not. But yeah. you know, we can yeah. we can still find yeah ways in order to talk about that constructively. Uh, that is just that's a perfect button for today. <laughs> I can't even I can't even yes and you there. I think you just rocked that. And I honestly we we thought maybe for for anyone um, hanging with us here, we thought maybe this was going to be a fifteen minute conversation. We just kind of in and get out and. There, there was a lot of discovery here uh, and, you know, just conversations like this with you. I think this is one of my favorite conversations we've had, at least while we're rolling here. And uh, yeah, so I, uh, I really appreciate you. I, I, I think that was very poetic, the way that you summarized that. And, um, you know, let's, uh, let's play it out. What song would you like me, what, what Evan Hansen song would you like me to play us out with today? Oh, man. You know what? I really dig Requiem. Like, I really think that song doesn't get enough love. <laughs> yes. I don't sing like you. Okay, let's let's play my little Requiem. And, yeah. uh, I can, can, can I say one more thing? Yeah, say it. Just one more thing. I just think that there, I know that a lot of, um, in the last, like, kind of, like, recent years, movie musicals have been very hit or miss. They haven't you know, been, you know, necessarily as top notch as they have been in the past with like, in my opinion, like, you know, Chicago, Sound of Music, mm -hmm. etc. Um, but I do not think that the movie musical medium is dead. First off, I'm huh? very excited for Spielberg's West Side Story. I think that could be great. But also one that I don't feel like enough people are talking about was the movie musical adaptation of Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Um, that was not... Yeah, that was not a pro shot. I believe it's on Prime. It was a film adaptation of the musical um, that originated in uh, the West End. Um, I think it was also like off West End and then it was West End. But it's a really great story based on um, a true story about a teenage drag queen. Um, and I think that movie musicals can be done really well. It just, it does take, you know, practice in getting it right. And so for anybody looking for a movie musical of recent years that will delight. I highly suggest everybody's talking about Jamie. It's really, really well done. Awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> you, you already just uh, got your seat pulled up for when we talk about West Side Story coming out here in a bit. I'm, so I'm so stoked. I was hoping. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Give us a review if you feel compelled to. And don't forget to wash your hands. Stay safe. We will see you down the road. Bye. Bye. Should I play the